All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. You follow along with me, okay? Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had... They would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things who is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, God, we understand that we would have, we'd have no ability to really grasp who you are and what you've done and the cross. And God, I just thank you that, um, that you have given us that great gift. And I pray this morning, God, that you would... You would Send your spirit to, to be among us today, to teach us, to instruct us, to open our eyes, that we might see things clearly. Uh, particularly, Lord, that we might see who you are clearly. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to see through the book of 1 Corinthians is that uh, there are a couple different kinds of wisdom that continue to be compared. Uh, we saw this a little bit last week. We see it today especially. And we, you might say the first kind of wisdom is just a worldly kind of wisdom in the sense of uh, common to everybody, okay? Uh, God has created mankind in the image of himself, so we're created in the image of God. And part of that image of God is that he's given us mind. He's given us the ability to reason, to think, to appreciate beauty, um, those types of things. And, and so that's given to all of mankind. And so what you have is you have people on this planet who, who understand the body and electricity and engines and computers and planes. And, 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 and you, have, you have all kinds of people who understand all kinds of things. Now, the, the reason I'm pointing that out is because what we're going to see is you don't need to be a Christian to have a lot of worldly wisdom, to have a lot of intelligence, to understand the world, uh, parts of the world, uh, very well. In other words, you don't have to be a believer. You don't have to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to be a great brain surgeon. I think there are probably brain surgeons in the world who, uh, who, who can do a great job uh, at, at their skill, uh, and they, they, don't, they don't believe in Christ. They don't know the living God. Now, it kind of makes me feel better when they do if they're operating on my brain, but yet still understand that that, that is true. You know, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of people that don't trust Christ, that don't believe in Christ, who are great mechanics. They may be a great uh, teacher of math or guitarist or an artist or a computer programmer or an astrophysicist. There are all kinds of people who don't trust Christ, who are wise in areas from, from airplanes all the way to zoology, okay? And so there is a worldly type of wisdom. Are we clear on that? There's a worldly type of wisdom. Now, the wisdom... Wisdom that Paul's talking about here, though, is the wisdom of God. Separate category, different thing. Okay, now, this this is not something you learn at school. It's not something you you uh, 
You know, you watch, you watch a TV show and, and bam, it just clicks, okay? Uh, this is a different kind of wisdom. It is the wisdom of God. It's biblical wisdom. It's a wisdom that begins with fearing the Lord. It's a wisdom that centers upon knowing God, okay? So, so there's a, a separate kind of wisdom, and, and the root of it is knowing and seeing God for who He really is, okay? Now, that kind of wisdom overflows into forgiveness of sins and being joined to Jesus Christ and being saved from the wrath of God and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, as it's called in the Bible. And it leads to joy indescribable and peace that surpasses understanding and victory over death and a resurrected body and eternal life. Okay, all of those things are in this category of what we might call the wisdom of God. Okay, verse 7, Paul calls it a hidden, a secret wisdom. Not that it's like Indiana Jones, you got to go find it somewhere in the, in, in the desert, you know, in a tomb that's booby-trapped. Not that kind of hidden, not that kind of secret. But rather there are people who understand it uh, by the Spirit and there are people who don't. That's why Paul calls it hidden. Okay, so that's what we're talking about today is this hidden wisdom of God. Now, to begin with, what I'd like to do is I would like for us to look through this passage and and define exactly what this kind of wisdom is. What are we talking about here in this kind of wisdom? Okay, so we're going to give several characteristics. Number one, again, we've already said this, we're going to say it again. It's a wisdom that comes from God. Verse seven says, but we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God. Okay, so this isn't this isn't something you find in a test tube. Okay, it's not something you find. In, in the science labs, not something you figure out, you know, from a magazine, okay? This, this is something you get from God, okay? If you understand who God is rightly, and if you understand what his plan for you is, if you understand what, what God is doing in the world and all into eternity, if you truly rightly see and understand that, you got that from God, okay? We're going to emphasize that throughout this message, what Paul says, you got it from God, it came from God. Second of all, it's a wisdom that brings us into glory, okay? Here's where the thing really gets exciting to me, because I really like to talk about glory. Verse 7 says, But we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Okay, now what does the word glory mean? Well, it, it de- defined, it means radiance or splendor or honor, power, greatness, magnificence, okay? But you really can't define glory rightly unless you relate it to God. Okay, it's got to be rightly related to God. Okay, you know why? Because God is glorious. Okay, God is the definition of glory. He is glorious. And by God being glorious, what we mean by that is every every aspect of beauty or strength or power or or truth or love or grace or peace. All of that is in God to the infinite degree. Okay, so you might have a little bit of strength. Okay, you might be able to throw a rock real far. Okay, you might have a little bit of compassion. You might you might feel sorry for people when they're sick. Okay, you might have a little bit of beauty. You know, Uh, you might have a lot of beauty. I don't know. But 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 God has all of those things to the infinite degree. Okay, as far as all of that can be pushed, as far as all of that can exist, that is God and he is glorious, okay? So there's kind of our root definition of glory. And so what this is telling us here is that this wisdom of God is given to us for our glory, okay? So I, I begin to get excited about that, that through this wisdom, God is bringing us into to share in this glory, okay? Now, next thing it says is that this wisdom leads to us understanding and being in the glorious plan of God for his people. Look at verse 9. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay? You know why I really like that verse? Because here's what it's saying. 
Whatever you have in your mind as the plan of God for your life, it's not a, it's better than you think it is, okay? Whatever you've got in your mind, okay? You know, a lot of times we think, we think of our plan being the best plan for our life, right? I mean, everybody's got a plan for their life. They're like, you know, I'm going to marry this person, and man, they're just going to love me and dote on me all of my life, and, and they're just going to think I'm the best thing since sliced bread, and they're just going to, wow, you know? That's what it's going to be like, and, and I'm going to have this job, and I'm going to excel to the top, and the boss is going to see that I'm the best, and, and, and they're going to give me all kinds of money, and I'm going to make all kinds of money, and I'm going to do all these fun things that I want to do. And that's my plan for my life. And then whenever you start talking about the plan of God for your life, people automatically think it's ramped down from that. It's like, here's my plan. Oh, here's God's plan. You know, God's plan is boring. My plan, exciting. Okay. Well, well, here's what, here's what Paul is saying here. I, I like this. He says, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, Paul's saying, look, whatever you have in your mind, whatever you imagine that God's plan for you is, okay, it is better. Okay, it, it is so much better. You can't even begin to get to the edge of what God's plan is for you in, in sanctifying you and in saving you and in transforming you and bringing you into fellowship with God and, and all the way into eternity. You can't even imagine how good that is. Now, why do we know that? Two reasons, okay? Here's two truths why we know that that is true. Number one, because again, God is infinitely glorious, okay? He, he's infinitely imaginative. His plan is always infinitely good. He's the source of beauty and excitement and wisdom and, and all that is good. James 1.17 says every good gift comes from God. Okay, so you have an infinitely glorious God who never flops, okay? His plan never flops. Does your plan ever flop? Man, my plan, sometimes they, they, I hit home runs. Sometimes I strike out, you know? The other night we were having a, we had some folks over and, and we were going to have this, we were having this game night. It was my idea. The man, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play this game and everybody's going to have a great time. And all the kids, I want you to sit down. We're all going to play. Man, five minutes. We got two kids crying and Emma's mad, you know? I mean, it just blew apart, you know? I mean, got too competitive and the kids were, you know, nobody liked to get beat. And it just, it just it was a horrible idea, okay? My plans go that way sometimes. Sometimes I've got a plan I think it's really good and it just blows apart. God's never does, okay? You understand that? God's never does, okay? And so what Paul is saying here is that the wisdom of God leads to this incredible plan. And when you, when you think in your mind, okay, what's God's plan for me? Here's what Paul says. Man, you're hasn't even seen, your ear hasn't even heard, your heart hasn't even imagined the plan that God has for his people, okay? So whatever you're thinking, it's too small. God's got a better plan. It's ramped up and it comes from the wisdom of God. Now, next point about this wisdom. This wisdom, it reveals to us what God thinks about things. Look in verse 11. Verse 11 says, who knows the person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. All right. So, 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 so the plan, the wisdom that Paul's talking about here, this wisdom reveals to us the thoughts of God. Now, isn't it interesting that you're interested in what lots of people say, right? You're interested in, in, in what lots of people have to say. You know, you're interested in what uh, Jimmy Houston has to say about fishing. You know, you want to know that. You know, you, you understand that he catches a lot more fish than you do. And, he, and he's even got, you know, boat endorsements. And so you want to know, what does this guy say about fishing? And you want to know what Martha Stewart says about decor. You know, what should you put in the middle of the table? You know, for me, it's just food. I don't know why you need anything else. But, you know, you, you, you want to know what she says about that. And, and, you, and you want to know what Bill Gates, he said, what he says about computers. You want to know what Rachel Ray says about pot roast. You know, well, what does she say about 
about that. I want to read that. I want to understand that. I want to know that. You want to know what Lance Armstrong says about cycling and, and, and what, what Bono thinks about music. I mean, you want to know all those things. Well, here's the deal. Do you want to know what God thinks about your life? And he said, amen, but let me tell you the truth. By nature, none of you did. That's sin. I mean, I mean there, there's, a, there's a great example of sin, isn't it? That we're really interested in what all those other people think. But when it comes to what God thinks, we really struggle to care deeply about that, don't we? I mean, we're just, we're just like, you know, Bible, what, what is, where, okay, Jimmy, how do you tie that fly? You know, I mean, right? I mean, isn't that an evidence of sin? Isn't that an evidence that there's something broken in us that we don't care what we really ought to care about? I mean, just just picture this. Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, steps out of heaven and into human flesh. He lives a perfect life. In that life, he teaches us about who God is. He shows us about what God does. He reveals to us the plan of God. And what did the smartest, most powerful men of Jesus' day do with that? Verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, Jesus comes and says, oh, look, guys, I'm going to show you who God is. And what, what do people do? They, they, they create a mock trial with false witnesses. They falsely accuse him. They beat him and torture him and hang him on a cross and execute him. That's sin. And that shows that we're, we're not thinking God's thoughts. Okay. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not wanting the wisdom of God. And so what you have here is you have the wisdom of men and you have the wisdom of God, okay? Now, here's the next question. How do you get this wisdom? How do you get the wisdom of God? Well, first of all, let's just say this, and we're going to talk about this all throughout the rest of the message. You get it from the Holy Spirit, okay? Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, okay? If you have God's wisdom, if God has revealed to you who He is and His plan and how good it is, then then the only way you got there was by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You didn't get there on your own. Listen to what Jesus says to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, He's asking His disciples, Hey guys, who who do people say that I am? What's the talk around town? You know, and some people say, well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're this, you're that. And then, and then he asked Peter, and Peter says this. Peter says this in verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Bingo, right answer, Peter. Good job. You know, Peter begins to puff up his chest. Peter begins to look around at the other disciples and say, man, you guys just don't get it. You know, I gave the right answer. I know who Jesus is. I've got it together. Here's what Jesus says to Peter in verse 17. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. You hear what he says to Peter? Look, you didn't get this on your own, Peter. You didn't figure this out because you're a smarter guy than everybody else. You figured this out because the Father has revealed it to you. God, the Holy Spirit, has revealed it to you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Thank you, Larry. I know that when it's a little chilly up here, it's got to be frigid out there. I don't know. Jeff says it's just fine. Pauline's got a parka on. I thought it was strange when I, I pulled up and the air conditioners were on. I thought, what happened, man? You guys, all that hot air, you're singing, man. You, you're singing so great. Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, listen to this. 
I thank you, Father. This is what Jesus says. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Remember that last week? We talked about how, how a little girl like Avery, seven, eight years old, man, she can embrace and understand the things of God. You know, because God, God hasn't put it on this scale where you got to be a rocket scientist. you got to be a genius to, to, to figure it out. No, it comes from God. It's revealed from God. Verse, verse uh, 26, Yes, Father, for, for was, your, was such was your gracious will, all things have been handed over to you by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Okay, so how do you get this wisdom? Well, it comes from God. It comes from the Spirit of God. Now, the really cool thing about that, verse 11 tells us, is that we are, we are certain that we're getting the right information here. Okay, look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? Okay, that's true, right? Nobody really knows the thoughts of somebody else except that person. You know, I, I know Emma better than anybody else in the world. She knows me probably better than anybody else in the world. But if she has thoughts, okay, and she tells them to me, and I try to communicate them to you, you know what's going to happen there? There's going to be a margin of error, isn't there? You know why I know that? Because there's all the time, all the time this happens. I think I know what she thinks, and I don't really know, okay? And that happens all the time. You know why? Because it's really hard to know somebody else's thoughts. Okay, but here, here's, what, here's what Paul is saying here. Verse 11, he's saying, look, you know, so also the, no one knows, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. You see, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He completely understands the plan, the purpose, the truths of God. You know why? Because He is God, okay? Remember the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God in three distinct persons. And the Holy Spirit is the one present with us today, indwelling every born-again believer in this room, revealing truth to you. Okay, that's a good thing. God is revealing to you who God is. Okay, the Spirit is revealing to you who God is. And so the ones who, who, who understand who, who, who God is and, and, and the wisdom of God, they are what verse 13 calls spiritual people. Okay, look at verse 13. And we impart this in, in words, uh, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Okay, now who are those who are spiritual? You know, that, man, you, you can answer that in a lot of different ways, right? Uh, spiritual people. Have you ever been to like Cripple Creek or one of those places? There's always like a whole spiritual block, isn't there? You know, like, like where you have all those little shops of spiritual people. They, they call themselves spiritual people. What, what do they mean by that? What they mean by that is they are interested in spiritual things. It could be the, it could be demonic things, okay? I mean, it could, but it could be anything from dream catchers to marijuana pipes, you know. And, and they're and they're spiritual. They're, you know, what they mean by that is, boy, we are spiritual people. You know, we do yoga, we meditate, we, you know, we go out and eat leaves and bark, and so we are spiritual people, okay? That's not what Paul means. Paul means a very simple thing, you know. Instead of saying, well, who's spiritual and who's not, you know, all this stuff. Here's what Paul means by that. A spiritual person is someone indwelt by the Spirit, okay. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, okay. Not any spirit, not Casper, you know, the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, okay? So a spiritual person is someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says that's every born-again believer. Listen to what it says. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Okay, so a believer has the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever does not have the Holy Spirit. For 18 years of my life, I did not have the Holy Spirit. After May of 1990, after I was born again, I, the Spirit of God dwells, lives within me. Okay, 
So that's who Paul's talking about when he talks about a spiritual person, okay? He's talking about the, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and He has turned the light on in your life, okay? I'm going to use that imagery. He's turned the light on in your life. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me. That, that's really what, what, what I feel like happened to me uh, in May of 1990 is, is when I came to know Jesus, when I repented of my sin and put my faith in Christ, I feel like God like turned the light on, you know? And it was all of a sudden like I saw things differently. Things that I never cared about, all of a sudden I cared about. Things that I had never loved, all of a sudden I loved. Things that I had never been interested in, all of a sudden I was interested in, okay? And, and it was like the light had come on in my life. Now you're saying, well, that's a great analogy, Pastor, but it's not scriptural. It actually is scriptural, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. This is a verse that I have, uh, that I pray for my daughter Haven, my, my four-year-old. I, I, on, my, on my phone, I have a prayer list. Uh, it's got many of you in it. It's got my family in it. And, and in my family, I've got things that I pray for them about. And then I've got verses that kind of go along with that. Well, what, one of the things I pray for Haven is that she would come to know Jesus, that she would come to see Jesus for who he is, that she would come to understand the glory of Jesus Christ and who he is. And so this is a verse I pray for her. In verse 6, it says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. Okay, it's talking about Genesis 1. Remember, God's the one who, 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 who was here when it was just darkness. There was nothing that existed. And God said, let there be light. What happened when God said, let there be light? Boom, there was light, Okay. And so that same God, listen to what Paul says here, has shown in our hearts to give the light, to turn on the light, if you will, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Okay? What happened when the light came on? I saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so, so that's the image here of, of what Paul is going to later in verse 14 and 15 Described as the natural man and the spiritual man, okay? The natural man is the man who, who exists in his natural state. He's just like he was when he was born. He, he, he has not come to see Christ. He's not come to see who God is. And so he is a natural person, okay? The spiritual man is someone whom God has turned the light on in their life. And now they, they're, they're indwelt with the Spirit of God. And now they begin to see who God is. They begin to see the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God begins by seeing who God is. All right. Are we clear on that? Because I want to I I step over and talk about something else for a little bit. Okay, so you got natural man, doesn't have the spirit, doesn't understand the things of God, doesn't understand who God is. Spiritual man has the Holy Spirit, understands who God is, understands the plan of God, at least to some extent. Okay, all right. Now, let's step over here. In this category of spiritual people, okay, who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I, I would argue that, that depending on where they're at in their, their spiritual life right now, depends on how much truth and how clearly they see the things of God, okay? In other words, I don't think it happens that, man, you got the Holy Spirit, you're saved now, boom, it all becomes crystal clear. You just see everything. I think it's a progressive thing that happens. I think it's, and it happens according to how, how much you are yielded to the Holy Spirit, okay? In other words, if you've got sin in your life, if you're over here and you're a spiritual person, but you're resisting God, you're not obeying God, you're not trusting God, you know, then, then, then you're not going to see things clearly as you ought to. Let me give you some scriptural evidence for that. Down here in, in chapter 3, same, same book. Just go down a couple verses. Verse 1 of chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Paul, Paul's saying you are spiritual people, but I couldn't talk to you that way. You know why? Because you're, you're acting like people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. You're, act, you're acting like big babies, okay? He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. And even now you're not ready. For if you, if you are, 
For, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So you see what Paul says, man, you, you guys are full of conflict and quarrels and strife. And because of that, I can't feed you meat. You know, I got to get out the bottle. I can't get out the T-bone. You know why? Because you're not ready for the T-bone. You, you're not receiving it because, because you're all bound up with, with, with sin. And you're not, you're not submitting to the Holy Spirit. In James chapter 1, verse 21, let me give you another verse. James talks about receiving the word, but listen what he says. He says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Okay, what do you got to do to receive the word? You got to put away this other stuff. Let me tell you how James describes wisdom in chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if your heart's all full of selfishness and bitterness, he says, don't boast and be false about the truth to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. You don't got God's wisdom, man. You're not seeing it clearly. But what you got is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, full of reason, on and on he goes. Okay, so, so does that make sense? So you got, you got natural people, okay? They don't have the Holy Spirit yet. Um, they don't see God clearly. And so they don't understand the wisdom of God. You got spiritual people. They have the Holy Spirit. They have at some point in their life seen God clearly, okay? But even within this category, different times in your life, you're, you're going to see clearer or more fuzzy depending on how much you are submitted to the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right? Are we clear there? Okay, let's keep going then. Let's keep going. Um, what, is, what does it mean in verse 14 when it says the natural person, let's talk about the natural person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he's not able to understand them. Okay? What does that mean? Okay? Go back to 19, the 1980s. Okay? You take Jason Dirks. He's going to church on a regular basis because his parents tell him to. Um, but he doesn't have the Spirit of God. Knows all kinds of truth about God because he's been in Sunday school. And he's listened. But, but, but he's a natural person. What does it mean that he doesn't understand the things of God? Does that mean that, that like, you know, the preacher's up there preaching. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about God's love. And I'm out there going, it just sounds like gibberish, Dad, you know? I mean, when he, when that guy starts talking, you know, all I hear is, you know, I mean, I just can't understand it. You know, it's just nothing. It's like a different language. Is that what Paul's saying? That he actually doesn't understand the words? No, not at all. I mean, I, I mean, I probably understood the words better than some Christians in the room, you know, as far as understanding the words, you know, I was probably out there. I was probably one of the smarter like kids. Eh, that's not how you should use that word, you know. No, he said that he mispronounced that wrong, Dad. You know, should have used a comma there. That's what Michelle does all the time in the sermons. Nah, the punctuation was wrong, Pastor. You know, I mean, I mean doing that. Could, 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 I mean, that, that's possible, right? It's not that they didn't understand the words, okay? Understood the words. Understood, understood who Jesus was. Understood this guy died on the cross. He was God's son. He rose from the dead. I could, I could have told you it all. But here's the deal. I did not value I did not cherish. 
I did not consider, I did not appraise it rightly. There was no aha, if that makes sense, in me. There was no yes in me, all right? Instead, it seemed like folly to me. Look in verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Wasn't that I didn't understand the words, I did. But it was folly to me. What does folly mean? Folly means it's silly. It's dull. It doesn't have much of a purpose. It doesn't have much of a point. It's not helpful in my life. It's not a significant thing. It's a yawner to me. You know what a yawner is, right? You ever have people telling you stuff, you know, and you're like, I don't care about this, you know? I have this all the time. My computer breaks down all the time. And I call Andrew or I call Tony because they're smart guys. And they come in and they fix it. And they always want to tell me what was wrong. I don't care what was wrong, you know. And they'll be going on, Pastor, is this, is this, you know. Just don't tell me that. I don't care, you know. I mean, it's not that I can't understand it, but I just, I wish I want you to come fix it. But I don't really care about it. You know, I mean, that, 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 that's, 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 what, that's what it's saying here. The natural man, he just he doesn't see the relevance of this Jesus stuff in his life, right? And so that's why when he comes to church or someone talks to him uh, about Christ, they talk to him about the truths of the Bible. And they say things like, hey, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says money won't satisfy. And the Bible says that, you know, we ought to give to Christ. And here's what I'm doing. I'm giving my resources to missions and, and I'm getting treasure in heaven. And that guy's sitting back there going... What? You know, I mean, he understands the words, but to him, that's silly. That's silly. You should use your money to buy a new bow. You know, you should use your money to buy a motorcycle. You should use your money. That's the stuff. I mean, to him, this all sounds silly. To the natural man, when you tell him, hey, Jesus said, love your enemies. He's like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but that doesn't make any sense. Why would I love this guy who's got it in for me? You know, why would I love this guy who, who did me wrong, who cheated me? You know, why would I love that guy? He just doesn't get it. You know, I mean, he doesn't get the significance of that. He doesn't value that. When you talk to him about the mercy of God and the unconditional love of God, when you talk to him about that, he's a sinner. You know what? He understands what that means. He understands what sinner means. I understood what sinner was. But, but you know, in my heart of hearts, it it wasn't relevant to me. You you know, here's the way I looked at myself. I looked at myself as I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I'd be riding around with my buddies in the car and I was completely 100% sure that I was better than all those guys. You know, I mean, they're wretches, you know, and I wasn't that bad. And I was convinced if we were in a car wreck, God, we were all going to stand for God in heaven. And God's going to say, man, Jason, you're the pick of the litter here. Come on in. You know, these guys, Yeah, I mean, I was convinced of that. And so when you talk to me about the cross, I was like, well, Jesus died for me. Great. You know, that's, I'm glad. I'm glad he did. That's good. Must be a great guy, you know. But, but it, it didn't grip me. You know why? Because I didn't see. I didn't value, okay? I mean, I mean it wasn't that I didn't understand the words. I understood the words, but it, I, did not, I did not judge them rightly, okay? Now look at verse 15, okay? So, about the, so the natural man, he hears the, 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 the wisdom of God, but, it, but it's folly to him, okay? Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. All right, now that word judge, okay? Here's what immediately comes, I think, our minds, and this is wrong, okay? Immediately when we think of that, we think of a judge goes bad, Bad, good, bad, condemned, you know. And we think, all right, that's what I get to do as a Christian, you know. I get to go. No, it's not what you get to do, okay. That word judge in the Greek, it means this. It's kind of what it, it means. It means to carefully examine and make a decision. 
That's what you do when you judge, right? You carefully examine and you make a decision. I think the New American Standard Bible hit a home run when they translated this word appraise, okay? Because that, that, that resonates with me. Uh, you ever had something appraised before? You ever had your house appraised? You know, what do you do when you have your house appraised? Somebody comes in and they look at it, right? And they carefully look at it. They look at the roof. They look at the foundation. They look at how well you've kept it up, right? They, they, they look at what you didn't do. You know, this is still broke. And this is, you know, there's a hole in the wall here. What happened? You know, I mean, they look at all that stuff. And they got their little tablet. And they carefully study it. And then what do they do? They say, your house is worth this much. Okay? They make an appraise. They make a judgment, Right? You may disagree with their judgment. You may be like, no, it's worth a lot more than that, you know. Or you might say, no, it's worth less than that. You never say that. Isn't that interesting? How nobody ever says that, you know. Every, you know but, so he made a judgment. You made a judgment, right? I mean, that, that's what he's talking about. It's making a decision about the value, the rightness, the wrongness, that what's best, what's certain, okay? The believer, listen, the, the spiritual person judges all things. The believer makes decisions based on how, what he knows about God and what he knows about God's plan, okay? Do you get that? That's what a believer does. He makes decisions about what he knows about God. Okay, so so the believer is able to say, okay, I know God is this, and I know God's plan is this, therefore I say this about this. Let me give you an example. What we're doing right here this morning, okay? You guys actually didn't get up very early. To the 8.30 service, I was able to say, you know, you guys got up early and you came here. All right, you guys slept in a little bit, all right? So you slept in, all right? Amen from Carolyn, all right? You slept in, you got to come here, all right? But But you gave up your morning, pretty much, right? You gave up your morning and you came in here and you sang songs about Jesus, who, depending on your theology, you may think, well, I don't even think he's here, you know? So you sang some songs about Jesus, and then some people prayed, and then they passed around a plate, and, you, and some people put some money in it. And then the guy came up, and he read something out of a book, and then he's been talking about it forever, okay? And, and some people would say this. Some people would say this. Low value, right? They would judge. They would, they would judge. They would make it, everybody's going to make a judgment, but they would say, man, that's of low value. That was not very helpful. That was not very worth my time, okay? Being in my deer stand this morning... High value, right? Actually, it's against the law to shoot a deer, I think, in January, isn't it? But anyway, uh, out fishing, high value, mountain biking, high value, you know, right? I mean, watching, watching ESPN. I mean, they're going to make a judgment, okay? Does that make sense? But it says the spiritual person, he's able to judge all things. Why? Because he knows who God is. You see, when you know who God is and when you know the plan of God, and we know the promises of God, all of a sudden, this, what we just did, becomes valuable, doesn't it? We, we judge it differently because of what we see about God. Now, look at the rest of verse 15, because this, this can trip somebody up. It says, A spiritual person judges all things, but he but is himself to be judged by no one. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, don't go the wrong way with this. Here, here's what some people are going to do. Some people have a knack for memorizing a little part of a scripture and then using it in a wrong way, okay? Some people, are, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go out and memorize that. You know, you're going to be like, all right, he himself is to be judged by no one. The spiritual person is to be judged by no one, you know? And then you're going to be acting badly at home and your spouse is going to like confront you on it and you're going to be like, the spiritual person is to be judged by no one, you know? Aren't you? You're going to do that. 
That's completely wrong, okay? This is not saying you're above accountability, all right? In fact, listen to 1 Corinthians 5, 12. It says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Paul's going to talk about this later. Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Talk about that in a couple weeks, by the way. We'll let you, we'll let you think about that. But obviously, Paul's not saying we're above accountability. But what, what is he saying then? What he's saying is, is that the rest of the world cannot accurately judge your life. You know why? Because they don't understand you. Does that make sense? They don't understand you. So the spiritual person judges all things, but is to be judged by no one. You know why? Because the natural person, the people in the world, they don't understand. They don't get you. You know, they, they look at your life and they're like, why do you live the way you live? Why do you spend the money the way you spend your money? Why do you parent your kids the way you parent your kids? Why, why do you give your time the way you give it? You get up early every morning and read your Bible and pray. Why do you do that? That's just a waste of time. You ought to get to work early so you can make more money. You know, I mean, they don't, they don't get you. Okay, you, you, you're, you're, you stump them. You seem weird to them. You're like an alien. That's what First Peter chapter three says. And the reason they don't, they, they can't, they can't rightly discern your life is because they don't see what you see. I was about twelve years old. And I was standing in my front yard, and one of the weirdest things I've ever seen happen to me at that time. <clears throat> Our neighbors, um, Gary and Edith, they come flying down the road. I mean, like. Driving like I had never seen another Mennonite family drive, okay? We lived, in a, we lived in a Mennonite community. We weren't Mennonites, but everybody around us was. So they, they all drove the same kind of car, kind of a Chevy Impala, Chevy, you know, uh, Caprice, kind of a plane, you know. And they come, and they are hot-rodding that thing. I mean, flying. And they come around our corner in a slide, okay? Come around the corner in a slide, back in is sliding on that dirt road. Gravel just spinning up all over. Edith is hanging out the window while he is honking. Ah! And she's hanging out the window going, ah, screaming something. We can't tell what she's screaming. And off they go, you know, speed off. And we're just like, man, that was the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life, you know. Here's this Mennonite couple and their kids, you know, hot rod. And we thought, man, the Mennonites started boozing or something, you know. Man, they're just, what in the world was happening, you know. I mean, it was just completely kind of bumfundled us, you know. And so we're thinking about it and we look up and there are two tornadoes fully formed touching the ground headed our ho- to our house, headed our way. All of a sudden, we understood. You know why? Because we saw what they saw. You see, until you see what a believer sees, it doesn't make sense, does it? It just doesn't make sense. And, and sometimes, you know, you know what we do that we shouldn't do? We, we get upset when it seems like our family and friends don't get why we live the way we live. Anybody in that category? You know, your family just doesn't understand you. They're like, why would you forgive that person? I'm still mad at him. You should still be mad at him. You know, why, why would you give your time to that? You know, why don't, why, don't, why don't you come to our family deal on Sunday morning? I have a lot of families tell me that, you know. Why? Man, your family just doesn't understand. Why, why aren't you here? We're having a birthday party, 10 o'clock Sunday morning. Why aren't you there? You know, well, I'm going to church. Why would you do that? We just don't understand. Hey, be gentle with them, Okay. Be gentle. You know why? They don't see what you see. You see, they don't, they don't see God as He is in His glory. They don't see His plan better than we can even imagine. They don't see what He's doing. And until you see that, until you see that, then, then you don't see anything else correctly as, as it ought to be. You don't see sin right. You don't see, 
you, you don't see marriage, right? You don't see, you don't see relationships, right? Now, things like fixing your computer and flying a plane and all that stuff, I mean, I, I think God's given, given wisdom there. But here's the thing. Folks, we need to see more and more, better and better, the things of God. And the clearer you see that, the better able you are to make decisions about your life and priorities about your life. I was reading this verse in my quiet time. I'll close with this. Hebrews 5.14. Writer of Hebrews says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is for the mature. Okay, So as, as, I, as I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and as I take in the Word of God, and as I focus on Christ, you know what happens? I begin to, I begin to get better and better at, at judging what are the things that are really valuable? What are the things that I should give my life to? How should I think about this? How should I think about that? How should I think about the world? That's the process that spiritual people go through in maturity, in distinguishing what's really good, what's really worthwhile. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that... Uh, God, that you would, you would turn the light on, God, in, in those people who don't know you yet. God, our friends, God, our family, people we love. Uh, God, do just what you did in our hearts. Um, God, by showing them who you are, showing them your glory, showing them your beauty, showing them your power. And God, I pray that as they see you, God, that they'll see everything else clearly. And they'll begin to see relationships clearly. And they'll begin to see their purpose clearly. They'll begin to see sin clearly. God, help us, Father, to to train ourselves, just like Hebrew said, to train ourselves to distinguish rightly what's truly good in this life, how we ought to live. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? And we are going to sing together. We're going to finish with a song. And if you need to make a public decision for Christ, maybe something like baptism or church membership, then we invite you to, uh, to join us at the front here. Pastor Chris and I are here, and we would love to introduce you to the church family as a candidate for baptism or candidate for membership. But you do what God's telling you to do right where you are. Let's sing together. 275.